Every aspect of your e-commerce business impacts customer experience. From advertising and packaging, to product functionality, website usability, and even reliability. Your long-term growth and profitability will hinge on your ability to deliver the best experience for your buyers. And this podcast will show you how. Tune in monthly for actionable and insightful discussions with the brightest minds at the intersection of e-commerce and customer experience. Welcome to the e-commerce customer experience podcast presented by Digital Genius. I'm your host, Chris Kellner. It's time for another episode of the e-commerce customer experience podcast. Our last guest was Richard Mogendorf. Conversation with Richard was so much fun, and now it's time to interview another incredible expert in the field today. My guest today is Lee Roque, a certified customer experience professional, CX innovator, and results-driven leader. Lee is currently the Vice President of Customer Experience at Finch, an e-commerce growth platform. Lee's experience spans over 25 years, creating customer success and experience strategies that deliver results for companies like Yellowfin and Marketron. Welcome to the show, Lee. Oh, thanks, Chris. Really looking forward to spending some time with you. Great. Lee, could you just kind of kick us off and tell us a bit about yourself and, and you know, the journey that you've been on? Yeah, sure. You kind of covered it off pretty well. But uh, yeah, I've been uh, in the space for about 25 years. My focus has always been on building empowered teams that uh, focus on customer success and also try to kind of operationalize the experience that a company has around product and brand. I've been able to to have some some early successes back at Marketron and, and a couple of the the SaaS companies I've I've been at. I, I think uh, the last couple of years um, for me was probably my biggest largest growth of my understanding of the impact of customer experience. When I was chief customer officer at Yellowfin, being able to actually help scale a super fun startup with thirty employees in one place in Australia to a global brand uh, recognized as one of the top leaders in in the BI space. So that was super fun. But yeah, my my main focus is just on creating great uh, outcomes for teams, customers, product, and brand. Um, and it's been a super fun journey the last few years. Very cool. And, and I noticed that you studied law. You know, what drew you to kind of CX in the, in the first place? Yeah, no, I think uh, going down that uh, law path made me realize I didn't want to do that. And so jumped jumped quickly to focusing on just, yeah, being with, with people. That's kind of been something I've always... Uh, gravitated towards. I love being in the mix. And so being able to to start off, I think I started off my early days of just, you know, working in restaurants and and helping people and just being uh, you know, upfront and, and trying to have as much positive relationships for the companies I was working with at the time. And then kind of led into into uh software, which was a kind of exciting time 25 years ago. And uh so yeah, then that was kind of where I started started in a call center and was just Taken back by the uh, the importance of uh, representing the cus- the company and and just trying to help customers get the best out of the you know investment they've had with with whatever they're purchasing or services they're getting. No, I, I love that journey. I feel like you start on the ground, you can kind of see it from day one, and then you work your way up through kind of experiencing different organizations, but ultimately always focusing on the customer. Yep. I was reading some of the kind of the material that you've written. And I know you, you once uh, wrote that CX is more of a program. It is a business purpose and culture to celebrate, which I thought was quite interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about that? 
Yeah, I know. I think, you know, there's been so much changes over the last, you know, 10, 15 years on on what customer success is and 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 the evolution of uh, the value. I think, you know, as of today when you look back, I think there's there's it's undisputed that, you know, customer experience pays off. Companies who do it well are more profitable. They rank higher in, you know, NPS rankings in, in industry, you know, publicly traded companies. You know, I think to truly have a successful program, I think it's first you got to be able to to understand the core of the company, I guess, culture. You know, is it is it sales driven? Is it marketing driven? Is it product driven? Is it is it truly customer centric? So I think being able to to realize that to have truly a, a successful CX program, it needs to be horizontally accepted across. Uh, across all departments and also it's got to be from the top down you know if you're if you're in my experience had the situation where there's been the messaging of being a customer first company but the internal culture it wasn't that wasn't what the what the company was truly about so you're you're kind of fighting always fighting trying to improve the customer experience and so and then go to a company where it is truly about Putting the customer and and I've learned over the years that I think you know, five ten years ago is you put the customer at the center and you wrap your whole business around it and that just doesn't work. That's like you got to have a balance. You got to have the business business goals, profitability of the business, and then you kind of mirror the two, the customer outcomes and needs because you can't be profitable as a company without your customers. But you also you can't put your company or your customers. I think my experience solely at the front of everything you do and only make decisions, you have to have a balance. So, you know, I think the culture is currently super important. I think for any CX leader is if you're trying to to drive, you know, the customer experience uh, outcomes and you're in a silo and, and all the departments around you are, are being driven by a, a company culture that is focused on sales at all costs or only product from internal development you know, that's been maybe benefit only for being on the Gartner magic quadrant or something like that, then then it's going to be a struggle. So I just, I, you know, for me, it's, you really got to walk the walk and it starts with a culture that is focused on customer team, product and brand as an experience, I guess, mantra. No, that's really interesting. Does that makes sense. Pick, no, and um, pick up on a few things you said, because there's a lot of really interesting points. You know, what, customer centric, I feel like is a word that's often thrown, thrown around. And maybe some brands think that they are, or they aspire to be customer centric. In your eyes, with the experience that you've got, you know, when do you look at an organization and know it's customer centric? That's a good question. I think you, you can fall back to some of the brands that we all maybe um, aspire to be like. I mean, I, you know, Apple comes to mind. I it just, you know, you, when you pay for that extra Apple Care, <laughs> I know I can get some on the phone. I know that they're gonna they're gonna treat me nice. They're gonna thank me for their business. You know, I think it's those those types of, of businesses that actually put the customer at the forefront. I just finished uh, Fred Reinchild, the father of NPS's uh, latest book, and I found it super interesting as he's been the last twenty years uh, keeping a. He has a fund he started with the top companies that actually have ranked the highest in their industry for NPS, and he's. Uh, made quite a bit of a, a positive return investing in these companies. And so I think, you know, that's that's kind of, I guess, I think I'm getting off topic on your <laughs> your question, but you know, I think those are the companies that set the standard of what it means to 
one, be hugely successful, successful and profitable as a business by putting the customer at the forefront. And you can do it. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing that's, uh, I think, been shown the last few years is that you, you don't have to put your customer at the forefront and and then not have a profitable and a successful business. So, And kind of building off that, and you mentioned MPS, you know, would that be when you're kind of looking at an organization or maybe you're working for an organization, would that be your kind of key metric that you're measuring to, to kind of understand Customer centric, customer satisfaction. Yeah, I think you know you can start with with again. It's one it's one uh, metric point. You know, I I tend to if I'm looking at a at a company, I'll I'll just again I'll put my I'll just always uh, put my customer hat on. Go to the website, figure out what the tools are. Is it easy to actually get to someone? And look, there's a there's a good way to create a self-service model that empowers the customer to try to solve so you can deflect costs and remove friction. But there's a certain point where you know you just find yourself as a as a consumer or or someone who's actually trying to engage with the with the product or a brand, is you just find yourself in this loop of, you know, you can only try to solve your own problems and you can't get help with someone. And you know, for me, I I like to work with brands where you know, at the end of the day, if you give me the tools to solve my problems, I, most people want to do that. But also, I want to work with people who are in the mindset of we're in it to, I guess I always tell my teams, we're people helping people at the end of the day. So, you know, if you're getting to three emails and you're not getting a resolution like in support, pick up the phone. <laughs> like, I bet you can solve that problem in a phone call versus five more emails. So, you know, it's kind of things like that that I tend to 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 focus on is yes, ratings, reviews, but also just pretending to be a consumer and, and kind of run through, or I, I am a consumer and I'm like many people, if if I have a great experience, I'm gonna be pretty loyal to that because I appreciate and know how much goes into creating an experience that's memorable. And where do you think kind of digital transformation plays in that kind of in creating a really good experience? I think we're in it. We're at a really cool time. I mean, it was funny. I was just playing with uh, Chat GPT with <laughs> the last couple of weeks. I think everybody in the world is. I think I just read they're the fastest growing application ever. But I was like, oh, I wonder if I can, you know, I can create knowledge based articles. Yes. Wondering if I could do some minor code. Yes. I'm wondering if I can create uh, customer surveys. Yes. <laughs> so it's been really kind of cool to see. Okay, there's some massive changes happening. One of the things that Back to you, kind of back to your question. You know, I think you know, God, I, being in the data space for the last eight years, I mean, I I just know how powerful data is. But there's a lot of it. I think being very focused, and I think the same, you know, digital digital transformation focus that companies can have, and kind of looking at my experience the last, I, I would say probably five to oh, yeah, keep aging myself, five to ten years. I think everybody in the support CX space definitely was trying to find the easiest way to get to those positive outcomes. And I think we got a little too cozy with snapping on uh, third-party applications to try to get more data or trying to make everything about self-service. And we got a little too far away from engagement with customers. And I think that's kind of starting to swing back. I think there's there's definitely a balance. So I think the, in the digital transformation, I mean, I think you can... You can create an amazing workflow. You can gather more data. You know, there's there's some huge changes happening in the type of data for that we can get to, and I do see that there's this. There is seems to me that there is a swinging back of 
creating an environment that allows people to, to get what they need, to be able to capture the information that they need, but also do it in a way that is, again, back to kind of people helping people. So I'm excited to see kind of this next year or so with, I mean, things like how can we use ChatGPT or how can we use the data cookies going away? You know, there's a lot of things happening in the e-commerce space that are just driving driving some massive changes. I don't know. Yeah, sorry if I've got a little off tangent there, but... No, that was really good. And I'd love to maybe... ChatGPT, you know, I've spent a lot of time actually playing around with it. And it's interesting, like, what what impact do you think that will have on the industry? Man, I mean, we've been kind of just playing around in, in, I mean, I currently, you know, we're an e-commerce growth software company that also does agents work. And we're just starting to offer things for our customers. It's, I think it's going to elevate the ability for people to more quickly get and create content that is usable. Of course, everything's going to kind of get to a now a new vanilla standard if if everyone's starting to use you know the same kind of engine. But I think what it'll do is it'll allow people to create get the creation part of things going a lot quicker. I think brands that you know have to rely on either you know huge internal staff of content writers or creators can actually now focus on elevating that to the next level. So give me a base to start with. I can make it my own now. I'm just blown away when you when you start playing with asking a question and getting a return. And I just actually I created a blog post yesterday, and it was just fun to go like, well, create me a you know a title that's you know an e-commerce to solve this problem. Now make it SEO compliant. Now put in industry links. I was just shocked at how quick you could create something that was actually quite valuable to get out in the world. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how this. How this evolves so quickly. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's shocking. Yeah. And it's really cool because our team of data scientists have also been playing around with it. And I think that it's funny about the things that could get right and maybe the things that it yeah. can't won't quite get right. And I think that actually it's really good internally for providing content and helping, you know, agents. Yeah, I think that people would still be very reluctant to kind of roll out a generative AI program to their customers because they can't control what it's saying. And you know, even I, I remember many, many years ago there was some terrible press around Microsoft Bot that was going around and making some yep. you know, the racial racial slurs. Yeah. I think that actually, even with this, you would be in danger of not having control of actually what you send out. Yeah, no, it is. It'll be interesting to see how people kind of frame it in because I've I've already noticed. Actually, one of one of our competition just announced yesterday they launched they launched a ChatGPT content writer within their application already. So it's I mean it's it is it's amazing how quickly people are are rolling this out as a tool within within their applications. But yeah, like what kind of controls are in place? Because I have I've seen kind of some examples of completely wrong data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know people are going to plug plug in, give me the top ten list of best practices for this. Is it right? I mean, so that's that's going to be the interesting part is, you know, are we creating false knowledge and becoming totally reliant on this, the AI engine without uh, having the right oversight to confirm? So that, that'll be interesting to see where that, that line crosses. Yeah. So kind of maybe looking to the future, put chat, chat GPT to one side, you know, what would you, what would be kind of your prediction, like one thing on the horizon which you think will be kind of a game changer to the future of CX? Yeah, well, look, I'm still. I started really early. I'm a huge proponent of 
the intellectual swarming, KCS, knowledge centered services, I've always found that that one within an organization, if you can centralize your, your knowledge, you can follow a, a methodology to capture, reuse, and curate quickly. And then you can give that to your customers. I still think there's a lot of room to improve. There's finally been adoption in some of the larger CRMs to to bring on the the KCS model. So I think that that's definitely an area where I I hope we can see some more improvements and maybe something like the AI engines that are happening can help with that. I do also see that there are still some gaps in friction when when with most systems that I've been looking at, um, trying to solve some some business problems that we have today around community knowledge, you know, ticketing systems, and and so I think there's still some room to improve kind of the customer journey within a business, removing friction for the team and the customer, uh, and improving that. The especially if you're you know direct to consumer and you're you're offering a product. I mean, we deal with this all the time with with our customers. Is just again, please please anybody listening to this, put your customer hat on and run through your your buying process, because I guarantee you're going to find some frustration, some friction, some things that are causing bounce rates or ban and cart um, issues. You know, those are some easy low hanging fruit to kind of to focus on. But back to your question, to me, it's it's we have enough tools out there to do the job well. Um, and if you're focused on the customer, people helping people, then sometimes less is more. So I think it's just really focusing on. For me, I I just hope that there's this kind of uniting of, of improved knowledge management, improved community support, uh, I think models. I think we just, we have so much ability to learn from our, our customers to improve our product, our brand, the customer experience, if we just listen. So being able to tie that really into the output of each of the departments within an organization, you know, tying one of the things that we've just done is tie we we're tying everyone in our organization to net reoccurring revenue. You know, if our business is profitable, everyone in the company can track the one metric. They can see if we're if we're profitable or not, or how profitable, and, and everybody gets a bonus based on the success of the organization. So I think you know that's kind of starting to happen. I've noticed in the uh, e-com space with MER marketing efficiency ratios, people are starting to get away from single channel. Focus and focus more on how does your paid media or owned or earned media investment actually drive business profitability? So, you know, I think there's getting a little off tangent, but again, I think there's a, a way to to keep refining what we're doing. And honestly, in some places, take out some of the the complexities. I know it's super easy to add like 27 systems to your to your uh, internal business stack because you're going to get one metric here or there. But it is, is it adding more friction, more costs to, and, and a terrible experience for, for the customer and the team? I mean, those are the things that, that I'm hoping get a little bit better because I think it's a little bit confusing. And I think, honestly, it's really hard for, I would say, you know, definitely startup businesses or even businesses that are trying to scale to know where to start. Where do you start your customer experience journey? And so... I'm hoping that uh, I, there's some great companies doing things like Qualtrics with experience management. There's some really good uh, agencies that I've been working with you know, that that have some um, really good programs that help you operationalize experience, which I'm trademarking that. I think that's that's my go-to at the moment is really figuring out how do you make the experience more operational um, and more something that you can tie business success and team success and customer success to. 
some really interesting points there. I'd love to pick up on one around community. It's not something we've discussed on the, on the podcast before. And I think that that is, you know, a critical priority for many businesses. When you think about community, like what would be like the ideal customer journey to, to kind of cr- to create that community feel? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, for me, and I've actually had experience launching a, a few communities around, around, um, uh, companies that I've that I've worked at, and the ones that work the best that I found, and in, in I think one of the early ones that I loved, and I just I, I ended up uh, using their product and following them was uh, Get Satisfaction. I think they went through a, a bit of a rough patch um, <laughs> a few years ago, but um, that community to me was one. It was fun to be a part of, and they truly were focused on trying to add value and share knowledge. And to the point, and the way it worked so well is. Every two weeks, and there are so, there were software company offering this new kind of way to look at support and engagement and collaboration and product uh, ideation. You know, the CEO would jump on, you know, for a thirty minute, ask any questions. Like from the top down within that organization, I got to actually go and, and meet the team there. Their whole passion and culture and core of the business was how do we how do we bring more people together to share ideas. To, to make our product and business better. So I think, you know, anyone who has kind of that mindset for a community is making it about getting people together. And you really, really, I mean, I've been in a few communities where you ask questions and you never, no one ever responds, you never hear back. And I've been in, in communities where you, you spend time in there, you, you, you create relationships, you ask for, for a product update or, you know, in, if I ask a question about a product or a defect or an idea and I get a response like that's just not in a roadmap, I'm pretty happy about that. Somebody listened, they validated my time, and I and I got to feel like I got to be part of that, you know, engagement with the brand. You know, and, and if you get the happy side of actually like that's a great idea, we got six or seven people on it. I mean, that's helping a company actually build a product that people want and will pay for. So I think that for me, and like I said, I've I've had the the I guess the fortune to to be able to launch three communities, and uh, when we got it to a tipping point where it was actually it reduced the number of requests because people were self helping, and when you have that first kind of point where customers are helping customer, that's amazing. But then to be able to actually have product ideas, defect management flow right into your your product team, then it just works for everyone. It makes the customer happy. It makes your business more, you know, removes friction, makes it more profitable because you're expediting uh, and focused on the things that matter. So yeah, I mean, I'm a yeah, I'm a huge fan of the community model, but it, you know, it has to be done right and it has to be it has to be embraced by the whole organization. That's I mean, again, back to the customer experience. Like, if it's one person on a soapbox in one department, that's like, oh, that's that's the customer experience team's you know job. I don't need to worry about the complaints that are coming in on the product or, you know, why we're losing market share. Like everybody's on the customer experience team, just like everyone's on the sales team and the product team. But anyway. I love that example. And I'd like to ask you one final question as we kind of bring the podcast to a close. And I think for our audience to be really, you know, with your experience, I'd say, you know, when it comes to budding CX professionals listening to this, you know, what advice would you give them as they look to develop a career in the field? Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. You know, I think for me, it's, uh, I always kind of fall back on, you got to want to bang your head against the wall. I think in any organization, you know, and again, going back to kind of figuring out as, as a young professional, like figure out the core of your company. If your company is 
focused on sales only, then you got to take a different tact. Do you have do you have support from the C-suite down? If you do, it makes it a lot easier to horizontally start spreading the customer experience mantra and and power and needs. I think for me, it's you know understand the core, figure out what you're dealing with. If you have to work in your silo and then bridge out, then focus on the customer journey that overlaps the departments near you, whether that's working more closely with sales, make sure your handovers are awesome. So it's a great experience for your customer. Make sure you understand the moments that matter. Onboarding, time to value. That first you know, time to value and onboarding experience is the number one trigger for renewal. Get that first renewal, celebrate. You got to want to stand on a soapbox and, and, and be a cheerleader. Get really good at storytelling. You know, start small with little wins and and make sure that uh, you're measuring the right things. And I think the the last piece of advice would be, you know, try to if you're if you're struggling with to grow your program to get the company on board, start with metrics that are tied to the business performance, and then you'll get the ear of your CFO, your CEO. You know, people focused on on revenue that always helps if you can tie your you know, NPS to retention to your net reoccurring revenue and start talking about those metrics, then people will will start listening to you and, and you can start building your momentum. And but I think storytelling is the number one. Like celebrate the wins, learn from the losses, champion your team, hire great people and empower them to do great things. Yeah. Hopefully that's enough. Lee, it's really, really amazing having you on today. You know, if I had to summarize, and there's been so many interesting points, if I had to summarize a few things that you said, you know, I think that number one, putting your customer hat on and testing your customer journey is the best way to learn things. I think less is more is always a good point, especially for people coming into a big organization and trying to enact change. And, and the last thing is, is really about maybe how and how not chat GPT might play a role in the future CX. And um, well, Lee, thank you so much for coming on. No, Chris, it's been a pleasure and good luck to you. And I've really enjoyed listening to the podcasts from the past. So keep it up. You're doing great work. Really appreciate it. The e-commerce customer experience podcast is brought to you by Digital Genius. Digital Genius uses cutting edge AI technology to streamline response times for support tickets. The platform allows for flexible integration to existing systems and control over your processes while significantly improving key performance metrics. To find out more about Digital Genius and how our intuitive platform combines AI, integrations and workflows to make your customers, team and mailbox happy, head to digitalgenius.com. Also, make sure to search for e-commerce customer experience in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Digital Genius, thank you for listening.